The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, it's unfinished business as ACB Reports presents part two of the legislative and advocacy update from Eric Bridges, along with spring and summer fashion tips for men from Lynn Cooper. Welcome to ACB Reports for May 2009. Last month, we heard part one of the Legislative Year in Review presented by Eric Bridges during the ACB Legislative Seminar in February. We conclude that presentation this month with talk about the new presidential administration, ACB advocacy efforts, and more. Here's Eric Bridges. What else has taken place over the last year? There was an election held in November. Senator Obama became President Obama. And the lead up to that created a lot of interest and hope with the blindness community that our lot in life, at least from a, a legislative perspective, could change for the better. In July of last year, ACB was contacted by Kareem Dale. He was the disability policy director for the Obama campaign. And he came over and met with um, Melanie Brunson and I to talk about how ACB fit within the blindness community, but also the broader disability community. It was a very good meeting. Over the next uh, three or four months, we had contact with Kareem. And in December, Mitch Pomerantz and I met with Kareem, as did the, the president and uh, another representative of the National Federation of the Blind, to talk about issues affecting the blindness community. I would characterize it as a good introductory policy meeting. He has since been appointed to be a, a special advisor to the president on disability issues. I am still a little skeptical as to how the change is going to occur with the disability community given the new administration. Many of you know that the economic stimulus was passed. And in fact, in your packets, you'll find what I consider to be a very good summary of the various provisions within the stimulus that will have a positive effect on the disability community. It's too early to tell how all of this is going to play itself out in terms of the budgetary cycle. Many of the provisions that you see in the economic stimulus package generally come through the regular appropriations cycle. You know, the, the government's budgeting process. So it remains to be seen what added monies, if any, any of these programs were received through the appropriations cycle. My guess is probably very little. What is promising is that President Obama, through his appointment of Kareem Dale, has elevated disability as an issue onto the larger radar of issues that this country, he feels, needs to deal with. President Bush very rarely ever addressed the issue of disability. And in fact, his appointments to disability-related positions within the White House were never permanent. And so there was a revolving door which made it very difficult for advocates 
to be able to go and meet, develop relationships, and be able to influence folks within the White House. So from that perspective, I think that there is a reason to be hopeful. We need to advocate for our own needs. And we need to make sure that along the way, as we advocate, that we don't give up the farm. We cannot allow the special needs and services of people who are blind to fall by the wayside as part of some sort of grand compromise with the cross-disability community. There are folks out there that want us to do that, or will try to get us to do that, have tried to get us to do that. We are at, um, I think, a, a fairly critical juncture um, here in Washington with regard to programs affecting people who are blind or visually impaired. Because this community historically has done such a great job of advocating for itself, we have programs such as the Randolph Shepard Act and the employment opportunities that, that come from that. We have employment opportunities under the Javits-Wagner O'Day Act. And we have other benefits that other folks with disabilities don't necessarily have. And those folks, probably if you were to stand back and look, rightfully so, want to have the same crack at what it is we have. I feel very strongly that they can go get their own. Not to say that we won't work with them. I'm not suggesting that. But we need to defend what we have. I wanted to take a brief departure and let you all know of an advocacy initiative that ACB undertook. My job is interesting and varied, and some days I go from meeting to meeting on the Hill, and other days I go from phone call to phone call, dealing with folks that are concerned about SSDI overpayments, to uh, Medicare issues, to all sorts of things. It's been a, um, a true education working at ACB for a membership organization. Um, it's been one that I've cherished, actually. It's been a great challenge, and I enjoy it. I received a call in November of last year from a young woman who was at the Colorado Center receiving uh, rehabilitation services from the Colorado Center for the Blind. And she expressed to me her reservations about the quality of the rehabilitation she was receiving. She asked for assistance in attempting to locate another residential rehabilitation program. After consultation with some folks, I went off and searched around and searched around. And while I was searching, she was told that she was no longer welcome there. This young woman was here as a college student from Macedonia and uh, was here to do a very prestigious internship in Washington, D.C. for an uh, international news service. And when she got here, her understanding of orientation and mobility was, I think, maybe a little different than what yours or mine would be. And I think a lot of it had to do with her upbringing in, in the country that she was from. And so when uh, you know, the complimentary services here in Washington didn't work, uh, it was suggested that the Colorado Center could provide her uh, with free training. And uh, she got out there and uh, immediately was exposed to a very different philosophy in rehabilitation and uh, did not suit her. And uh, apparently they didn't care much for her. So I went out 
and uh, other members from ACB went out to look at the other options. This is a story that ends very well, and it's a story that demonstrates the power and the true goodness of ACB members. Folks in Colorado and in Arizona, ACB members, took her in during this time. And in December, she went to Miami, Florida, and started training at the Miami Lighthouse, and is going to complete her training at the end of this month, and will be coming to Washington. While she's in Miami, she's staying with an ACB member. At no cost to her. Um, it's the power of ACB. It's the power of these other training centers that um, don't often get a lot of accolades, but she's getting a high quality of, of orientation and mobility and, and life training, home training skills that are going to make her successful for the rest of her life. So you all are out there going, oh my god, Eric, you haven't talked about accessible currency. When are you going to do that? It was only like the greatest thing that happened to ACB in the last five years. And probably one of the greatest, most historic things to happen within the blindness community ever. As I'm sure you're all aware, in May of last year, the, the Court of Appeals ruled in our favor Subsequently, in October of last year, the judge came down with his ruling and at some point next month, the Department of Treasury is going to be giving an update to the judge and to us on what they've done thus far in terms of determining different potential solutions to make American paper currency accessible to one and all. And uh, I don't know how many of you saw the primetime live special, What Would You Do, that aired in January. There was an article that was on the front page of the USA Today in May, right after this ruling. And somebody who will go nameless from the National Federation of the Blind had the audacity to say that he could just wave a $5 bill in the air in a line and someone would tell him exactly what it was. He had absolute faith that no one out there would lie. What did that, for those of you that watched that special, was there not a, maybe a bit of a contradiction that occurred? A huge contradiction. One of the fun things about that special was that ACB was consulted ahead of time. ABC reached out to us to attempt to get it right. They didn't want to be cheesy. They didn't want to be condescending. They wanted it to be done right. And what we told them was, we said several things to them, but the most important part in our view of this, because they were coming at it from the right perspective, but the one thing they hadn't intended to do was to hire blind actors <laughs> to be the blind people in the skits. And we said, no, you have to do that. And uh, they did. And so all those people, all those blind people were actually blind people. Which you can't say too much. You know, in Hollywood and on, on commercials, it's a bunch of sighted people pretending to be blind, and there's nothing cool about that. Plus, there's a lot of very capable blind actors out there that could use the work. The Social Security case, which I'm sure many of you are aware of, the Social Security Administration is refusing to give information to beneficiaries in alternative formats, 
which is rather ridiculous considering the majority of folks who are receiving benefits from Social Security <laughs> have some form of a disability. The notice of class action went out in, I believe, December, and uh, everyone has been made well aware of that. We've also made tremendous progress in our structured negotiations with Laney Feingold and Linda Dardarian, two of our greatest advocates. Issues dealing with accessible ATMs, point-of-sale machines in grocery stores, and on down the line. They are there for us, they're going to continue to be there for us, and we're very grateful. At the production deadline for this program in early April, Eric reported that there were 105 co-sponsors for H.R. 734, the Pedestrian Safety Enhancement Act of 2009. Contact the American Council of the Blind for more information about this important pedestrian safety legislation. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. You can hear many past installments of ACB Reports on the archive page at acbradio.org. Have a question about the American Council of the Blind or about this program? Write to ACB at this address, 2200 Wilson Boulevard, Suite 650, Arlington, Virginia, 22201. Or phone 800-424-8666. The sounds of spring are one indication that it's time for us guys to update our fashion ensembles. So here's Lynn Cooper from the Mirrors Project with her report on what's out there for gentlemen this season. Welcome, gentlemen. I am so happy to have our male listeners with us. And this season, similar to what's happening with women's, we are seeing not a lot of real creative chances being taken. We are seeing both ends of the spectrum represented. This is taken from the pages of men's fashion magazines from the United States, as well as the UK, Great Britain, France, and Italy. We see two major trends, and as um, they are called by GQ magazine, the new severity, which is sharp, sharp, sharp lines, real snug, little or no adornment, you know, no pockets on the outside, very few bells and whistles. Not really what you would look at and say, hmm, that's playful, in subtle, muted, dark colors. Once again, since fashion is a barometer of where the culture is, and since we currently are in a unsure, to put it delicately, economic situation in the U.S., this, I believe, is reflected in our fashion trends. What we are seeing on the runway, I think, represents an unsureness, a, a where exactly can the designer settle. There really is either drawing from the past or this new severity, which is almost Star Trekky, in its moving it forward and really taking a look at the future. Not really where we are. There seems to me to be an avoidance of uh, the present. But what we'll do is we'll start with this new severity. And um, that is, as I mentioned, very Star Trekky, very much like a um, science fiction movie, almost futuristic, really. Very, very, very sleek, very little excess fabric, very 
severe and serious, probably the way that a lot of designers are feeling now that um, there is a different mood for shoppers. You know, we're not just going in and playing anymore. Um, People are really spending great thought to how their dollars will be spent, and I think the designers are reflecting it. They are getting the call to really pay attention to wearability. We are also, on the other end of the spectrum, Mike, seeing what is referred to as creative loafing, like you're loafing around. And this is, on the opposite end of things, very loose, very kind of schlumpy, very wrinkled. In most cases, these are fabrics that are made to look like they were just uh, worn to bed. So we've got both ends of those spectrums. Other looks, three-piece suits are big, again, very slim, you know, once again, it's very slim, very trim, sort of the uh, lean way that life has to be lived these days and these times. Two-button, deep trench. Now, we remember the trench is essentially the opening. That's the uh, industry term for the opening until the button starts. Cuffs on the pants and a bit wider leg, but not much. Then there's another look, Mike, that's really big, and it's kind of fun and easy to uh, work into one's wardrobe, and that is the nerd cool eyeglasses. And I mentioned a secondhand shop or a Salvation Army or a recycled clothing uh, store. This is a great place to find these kind of glasses. You can either put in your prescription if you wear eyeglasses with a prescription or can throw in um, your sunglass lenses. They look as though they were the computer guy from the 1960s movies, black, and what used to be very much of a goofy look is now chic. Another part of the creative loafing is the quirky old man look, as they call it. In this, we're seeing the plaid pants, the ones we used to laugh at that golfers would wear back in the 60s and 70s, but suspenders, hats, uh, costumey, really, Mike, and once again, loose, baggy, almost looks like you're wearing your grandpa's clothing. Overall, when we are looking at suits and dressing up for men, this very much is a season. It was last season, and it's going to be moving forward, my guess is, throughout the year, well-polished, well-groomed. I saw very, very little of the three-day beard thing going on or like the hair as though we just got out of bed. No, no. Broad shoulders and suits, very narrow, slim-fitting jackets and slacks. The slacks were very tapered and yet again, fellas, no pleats. Now, where it becomes fashion forward, Mike, is that the pants stop short of the ankle. Not a look that anyone off of a runway, I think, unless you're really in a fashion business, can handle easily. You can cuff them or not, even with dress slacks with just a shirt, they're being shown cuffed or not. And it is a jacket that is two buttoned, no more of the three or four button jackets, very deep trench, as I said earlier. Stripes are big, your grays, your dark blues. And the weird fashion forward part of this is that the jacket is short, meaning it comes mid-fanny, if you will. It's not like a classic suit where it is loose and it comes past one's fanny. It is absolutely, definitely made to be that way and to look very fashion forward. Once again, if you are investing in a suit for business, I would suggest you go in and have something much more conservative. 
pocket squares are big, and as I mentioned earlier, three-piece suits. And on the cover of March 2009 GQ is Justin Timberlake wearing a dark navy three-piece suit. Once again, very, very, very snug, body-hugging. In outerwear, Mike, we're seeing classic tan trench coats being big, big, big. This would be the classic Burberry style. And that is also something that if you really go with your human mirror, go with your friend who you go shopping with, go into secondhand shops, be careful for staining and what have you, because in that tan color it often happens. But you can always find something for a lot less than uh, going into a, a designer shop. Very narrow zip jackets instead of years ago with the elastic, the aviator style. No, these are very body-hugging, and that remained from last season. Dress slacks are equally narrow, and as I said earlier, shorter, meaning they're just cut above the ankle, in dark gray and dark blue. Dark uh, colors are remaining big. Jeans, which is something a lot of us live in, dark, dark, dark blue and narrow. Not Skin-tight narrow, which we were seeing a couple seasons ago, but just narrow and, once again, stopping a little short of the ankle. Vests, they are great, worn alone with jeans, over khaki, over a dress shirt, over even a T-shirt, unbuttoned. They're worn great over uh, dress slacks or a dark pair of jeans with a dress shirt and a tie. Now, we have to uh, pay attention to ties because ties are not skinny, 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 but they are definitely getting narrower. And this is for the casual fashion forward look as well as business dress. If you want to know what is happening, I suggest our listeners go into a department store or go into a men's store and ask to be shown ties and and get the salesperson's um, take on which tie is appropriate. But you will feel that. You will be able to actually feel with your hands exactly the uh, width that we're looking at. Sweaters are very big right now, and um, the V-neck sweater, a nice thin, you can even do that in a color if you're wearing khakis or jeans. It's kind of a fun place economically to throw in a style. V-neck sweaters over a shirt and a tie are huge. To kind of go back to the preppy look, a button-down collar is big. A spread collar, which is not terribly large, is really a big look. And cardigans are big, thin though. Thin cardigans, either striped or a small print. In shirts, as I mentioned, Mike, the spread collar, which means that when you button the top button, the collar points are spread a bit. These are buttoned down, and they're also done in a lot of print checks or stripes. Prints meaning a paisley, small check, or a stripe. Leather jackets remain huge, but once again, they're worn snugger, tapered, and zippered. Zippered not only in front, right up to the uh, collar, but also often on the sleeve openings. In shoes, loafers, penny loafers are making a comeback. And they're great with more casual looks, jeans, slacks, what have you. For dress, we're seeing sleek, lace-up Oxfords. Those are not the wingtips of 15-pounders of our Father's Day. Those are thin. We're also doing a sandal, if you're going to be wearing uh, very casual summer gear sandals. And just like women's wear, Grecian, very flat. And finally, bags. Canvas messenger bags and satchels are really big. Canvas with a leather trim or even a full leather canvas bag. And, you know, Mike, unfortunately, with the advent of computers and storing information digitally, 
we are saying a fond farewell to briefcases, lawyers and um, other people who might need to take papers with them throughout the day are carrying briefcases. But for the most part, a computer case or a messenger bag that we can throw our computer into. Or many of us still wear backpacks. Are these wheeled? Are they over the shoulder? They're over the shoulder. They are over the shoulder. What is nice about a canvas satchel or a canvas messenger bag is that it can be worn what we call bandolero style, which means across your chest, and then it frees up both hands, or they can just be carried in your hand. And if they are canvas with leather trim, they tend to be lighter. Now, I know, as I said, my husband is so fond for his back, a backpack feels better. And as long as you walk as straight as possible and don't lean forward so that your neck and your back go out of whack, but it is seen a lot more of. I think we're seeing a lot more of than we were the traditional briefcases. And um, hair, lest we forget, when people look at our faces, they are definitely taking in our hair as well, and that is a very big part of our look. So we want to make sure, since no matter what season we're in, being well-groomed is always essential, we are looking at hair that has a side part. That is a really big look. Whether it is sleek, with a lot of product, as they say in in my day, pomade, sleek comb to the side, either feathered or long, one length combed over or back, very sleek. It is a side part. And if it is not a side part, the only alternative to that that I've seen in all of the runway shows was military buzz cut short. Very, very, very short, just a breath away from bald. That should give our male listeners an idea of what is in the pages of the fashion magazines this spring and summer and what was shown on the runways around the world. So have fun. In her next installment on ACB Reports, Lynn will answer a question from a listener. Remember, you can visit Lynn's website at www.lyncooper.us and you can email your question to mirrors one USA at yahoo.com. That's mirrors1usa at yahoo.com. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.